Hey guys, if you're brand new, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Joel Oates. I'm the pastor uh, here at uh, Real Life Church and have been uh, for a little over a year now. And can I just say, God is doing some incredible things here in some incredible ways. He really has. And it has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with the staff. It has everything to do about him and how he's choosing to move and work in and through each of you. And so I want to say thank you for being lights. Thank you for being the church outside beyond these walls. You know why? Because there's people out there that need to hear the greatest love story and the greatest message ever told. And you are being obedient in some incredible ways. So thank you, church, for being that. I, wanna, I, just, I just wanted to start out this morning by letting you know that. Um, one thing before we dive in, I want to let you know about something that I'm wearing right now. On my right wrist, I've got, uh, some, I've got a name, and his name is Mason. And I'm going to be praying for Mason every single day this next week. You know why? Because there are some students that are getting in some vans, and they're going to be driving to a place for all of next week, because just like VBS, when students get out of pocket and they go to summer camp, uh, God moves them in some incredible waves. How many of you have ever gone to a summer, like a, a youth camp? Uh, how many of it, was it impactful for you? Okay, here's what, I, here's what I know. Nothing of eternal consequence happens apart from prayer. And so outside each of the doors as you leave today, there's going to be a whole stack of these wristbands. Now what I want to challenge you to do is I want to ch challenge you to grab one, two, three of these, whatever it is. I don't want to leave any names unprayed for. I want you to grab those. I want you to put them on your wrist. And every day this week, I want you to pray for them by name and ask God to move in some incredible ways, because I know that students come to know Christ in some incredible ways when they get out of pocket, they go to youth camp, they have a lot of fun, but they meet the greatest, the greatest God in the greatest universe, the creator of, of the ends of the earth, the savior of the world. A lot of the time they meet with that savior during summer camp. So be praying for them, and I want to encourage you to grab those as you, on your way out. If you're also new, I want to tell you we are starting a brand new series today, and it's called Stories Around the Campfire. How many of you guys did some camping growing up? Yeah? Okay, yeah. Listen, we live in New Mexico. Just get, you know, get outside, okay? Um, and uh, I, I loved going outside. I loved going, traveling with my parents. My dad was in the Marine Corps for 23 years, so we did move around a lot. And in doing so, some of my greatest memories or when we hit the campgrounds. And I remember one time we were, we were traveling across uh, the United States and we moved, it was our, one of our longest moves, we moved from Hawaii to Rhode Island. Yeah, okay. I mean, you, you didn't drive from Hawaii, like you started in California just helping you guys out and then you made it to Rhode Island just helping people, yeah. So, um, but this trip, I just remember, it was so long, it became so memorable, and uh, there was moments of tears where dad had to pull the car over for um, unsightly reasons, but, um, but there was other times when we'd stop at campgrounds, and I remember this one time when we stopped at this one particular campground. Dad, we, we, had, a, we had an RV, and um, we pulled up, and we... Popped up the tent because the kids slept in the tent. I don't know, mom and dad kicked us out and they had the, the RV. And, but we liked doing that. And, and then we set up the campfire and we put these logs around the campfire. And I remember this like it was yesterday because I remember we started sharing stories. 
And maybe you've sat around a campfire, and, and I remember we grabbed the skewers, and mom put some hot dogs on it, and we're, we're cooking dinner, and then we, then we made some s'mores, and, and that, which is God's delight. It's incredible. And, uh, and, and we just had just a beautiful moment camping that night. But it wasn't the camping part. It was actually sitting around in this circle around this blazing fire And you know what we did? We just talked. We just shared. We shared stories. And and these stories, some of them um, were about some struggles that we were walking through. Some of them were about uh, happy times. Some of them were about sad times. Some of them were about dad sharing life lessons with his four boys and and, uh, and who God is and, and what that looked like. And I, and I just remember these stories. Now, uh, during story time, if your family may be like this, um, the goal during story time, a lot of the time, was to make dad laugh. That was the goal. Like, if dad laughed, then the story that you were sharing, oh, it was funny. It was funny. If dad didn't laugh, you might as well just kept your mouth shut, okay? Because my brothers were heartless, and they were relentless, and they would m- make it so that I went through a season in my life that, um, uh, that when stories would be shared, especially around this, if dad didn't laugh, my brothers would quickly, would quickly pipe up and they'd say, oh, you just pulled a Joel." I know, it's a painful moment in my life. I appreciate that. I, uh, it just, I went through a season where I just wasn't funny. I just couldn't land anything, man. Nothing was, nothing was clicking, and it was, it was really bad. And uh, so I got labeled, and my brothers were really quick about doing this. And, and, they would like, and then to make matters worse, you know, like mom's always shooting for the underdog. Oh, my God, I thought it was fine. I love you. And I was like, just stop. Stop talking. Like, you're making it worse. And my brothers are like, oh, mom liked it. It was bad, so uh, we, uh, we, had, we had some crazy funny moments around, uh, around the campfire. You know, there's something, about, there's something about story, isn't there? See, I love sharing stories, and I love it because, because we can relate to stories, right? There's, there's a deeper connection that we relate to when it comes to story. Think of, think of some of your greatest, some of the best movies out there. A lot of your, some of the best, like Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings, and Chronicles of Narnia, and all, Titanic, and think about how in the beginning there was like this, there were, you know, there was like this utopia. Things started out pretty well, but then there was this massive, massive problem, this massive fall. Something tragic happened, and it set everything wrong. Well, then what happens, Right? All of a sudden, there's this, great, there's this great love, and there's this hero that comes up on the scene, and out of his great love, what does he do? He does something incredibly sacrificial in order to make things right again, right? I mean, think about all these stories. It just, it's, 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 almost, it's almost like this, there's this theme, and, I, and the reason why I think we connect with story so well is because you and I, whether you think so or not, it echoes of the grander story you and I have always been a part of since the beginning of time. See, there's a grander story 
that we're a part of, whether you think so or not. And, and, and yet, guess what? Things started out great, remember? And then there was something bad and tragic happened. It was like this fall from grace. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Their hero came on the scene. His name's Jesus. And out of his great love, he made this huge sacrifice and and he righted the wrongs. He redeemed and restored all these things that were broken. And he invited us into a happily ever after because of what he did alone. See, we like story. We connect with story because we're part of a much bigger story. And I love how Jesus, and especially in this new series called Stories of Around the Campfire, what it is, it's a Jesus talking the language of story. We're going to be walking through the parables of the, of the New Testament. We're going to be walking through as many as we can get through d- during this summer. And, and I love how God uses something like story to connect with us. You know why? Because we connect. We don't just share information. If someone was talking to me, I don't go... Um, I, I don't pull out this like laundry list and kind of hand it to him and go, there, there you go. No, I, what do I do? Hey, let me tell you a story about my life. Hey, let me share with you uh, what, what just happened yesterday. Hey, let me tell you some things that are going on at work. And we enter into this narrative. We connect in story because we're part of story. And Jesus, um, Jesus shared stories, and they're called parables, And I wanted to give you kind of a definition of what a parable is. A definition of parable is this. It's it's a parable is a story that teaches something new, putting the truth alongside something familiar. A story that teaches something new by putting the truth alongside something familiar. Take, for example, the communion we just did. Every one of those disciples was familiar with bread. They ate it all the time. Everyone was familiar with the, with the cup of wine. Everyone, it was just commonplace. They knew it. And so, so Jesus goes, you know, and maybe he, he had this plan before the beginning of time. I'm sure he did. But he's at the dinner table and he kind of looks around and he's like, okay, disciples, I want you to grab all a piece of bread. So they pick up a piece of bread. See, Jesus takes something just familiar and he's offering this new truth. God's trying to reveal something about himself so that you and I can discover something about who he has designed you and I to be, how we are to live. Sometimes challenge the way we even think. See, story connects us, but it also challenges us and invites us into his story in the way we were meant to play our part. Parable is an incredible truth alongside something familiar. So there's three things I want you to know about parable. Three things that it kind of evolves to. Jesus takes a familiar piece, and that familiar piece, be it bread, is a picture. He's like, I want to give you, I just want to give you this picture of uh, of this idea. So let me take this piece of bread and put it in front of you. And this picture is something familiar that all the listeners too can connect with. Yeah, we all eat bread. Great, fantastic. Well, then he takes it a step further and it moves from a picture to a mirror. See, I don't want you to just look at that picture. I want you to see yourself in this moment. How does this truth hit you? 
How does this truth change you? How does this truth, are, are, you where, are you where this picture is showing or are you far away from it? Is there something that's being reflected in your life that is, that is drawing you away from who I need you to be or pushing you towards who I need you to be? He uses a familiar picture and then he turns it into a mirror. Now, for those that are willing to look at that hard stuff, because we don't like to look at that. We don't like to look at the mirror because sometimes it looks really ugly. It looks really atrocious. We see our life for how, we, how, how it really is, and it makes us feel really uncomfortable. We squirm in our seat. You're like, wow, that, I don't really like that. But for those that are willing to see it and w- those that are willing to step into it, all of a sudden that mirror then transfers into a window. See, Jesus never just identifies things to leave us where we are, he always makes a way when there was no way. He's always, he's always taking something and leading us somewhere. He's, he's taking this broken life and he's making it whole. He's, he's creating this window of grace that if we're willing to do the hard work and we're willing to be honest with where we are and let truth land for how it is, we can begin to walk through these windows of grace and be changed forever. God uses parable. God uses story to help us discover who he is and who we were meant to always be. I love, I love the fact that I'm part of such a bigger story than I deserve to be a part of. There's, there's, there's a story that all mankind needs to know And the greater that that story plays out in my life, the greater greater that message resounds in a dark world who needs to hear that message. So let's share a story this morning. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 16. I want to share a story that Jesus shared with his disciples. He was on this this pattern of sharing stories in, the, in Luke chapter 8. And he just, gonna, he just got done sharing a, a parable, a story about the seed and the soil. And we'll probably visit that later on this, this, coming, sum, this coming summer. But I want to jump to this story in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 16, where Jesus talks about a lamp. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up here on the screen. Follow along with me as it says this. It says, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. See, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Heavenly Father, I ask this morning would be about you. I ask that your face would be seen, your voice would be heard. Jesus, there's so many things we don't understand but I pray that you would usher us into a time of understanding, that we would be made more like you and less like ourselves. 
Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God, for being the author of the true story, your story. History is really his story, your story. And I pray, Father God, that this morning that we would be ushered into new truth as you demonstrate something familiar to us. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's in this storytelling mode, this parable telling mode, and he just finishes about the soil and the seed. And then he goes in and, and maybe he's, he's in a room as he's talking with these disciples or maybe some people that are unfamiliar with Jesus. And, and maybe he looks around the room and he goes, it's really, it's almost as if he's going, how can I better illustrate this? Oh, okay. See that lamp over, bring that lamp over here. And Jesus goes, let me, let me better illustrate this a little bit. So bring this lamp over here. So he grabs this lamp. Now this lamp, this lamp is, is, would be made out of clay. And, uh, and there's this hole in the top. And I wish I had the picture of it. But there's this hole in the top. And there's a wick in it. So it's this clay pot. And there's, there's oil that's supposed to be poured into it. There's a wick. And then you, then you would light it. And that would offer illumination to the room. And he goes, I want you to see this lamp. And so Jesus, Jesus starts out, he goes, look, no one lights this lamp and then covers it up with a bowl or hides it under a bed. It defeats the purpose of the lamp existing. And then he says, a, a lamp is and should be often placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. See, I, I love how God takes something familiar, like a lamp, and then he turns it into this lesson for life. He turns it into this lesson for life. I, I, I love my grandfather. He used to do this all the time. He would take all these little things and knickknacks, and, and he'd, go, he'd go, Joel, let me, let me teach you something about about the pecan. Let me teach you something about, uh, about this shovel. And let me teach you about science. And, and, and my grandfather wasn't the only one. My mom did it all the time. Uh, Joel, I used to know somebody, okay? And then she'd go into this diatribe story about how this child died because of this and that, and, and he was playing the same games you were, you know? Like, mom, I, I don't even know how I didn't grow up as a pessimist because my mom had a story about everything. Do you know the reason why I, if you see me, I, when I go down escalators for years, I would jump over the last step. You know why? Because I thought I'd get sucked under. My mom knew a boy <laughs> whose shoelaces were undone. And I'm just telling you, this is, I grew up like this. I'm like, I, I can't believe I'm not afraid of everything in the world, you know? But, but God uses, Jesus uses something familiar to teach us these incredible lessons. And he uses this lamp. And he's like, guys, I want to tell you something really important. And you may not see it, but I'm going to use something real familiar to you. So let's look at the parts. What is Jesus trying to say here in this story? What is he trying to connect? What is he trying to show about himself and try to show, um, to show these disciples? The first, first is this, verse 16, no one lights a lamp and covers it under a bowl. And hides it underneath a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all. I think the first part that, that I want to look at this morning that, that Jesus would probably draw attention to is as he goes, I want to draw attention to the oil. I want to draw attention to the oil. See, every lamp has got some oil in it. And that oil 
represented the fuel required to keep the light burning. And then all the disciples are like, yeah, okay, all right, I got it. He goes, I want you to know that your life requires the same kind of oil. You need a fuel that is constantly being poured in you in order to keep the light in your life burning in the way it was always meant to burn. So what's the oil? See, the Levitical priests during that time, during the temple, and there was a temple, and on the temple mount, you'd walk into uh, the holy place, and inside the holy place, you would see the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the, men- the menorah. And many of you know that because of Hanukkah and different things. It's, that, it's the, the lamp. And one of the duties of the Levitical priests every single day was to go in and fill that light with oil every day. And everyone, and, and maybe all the disciples, as Jesus is explaining this, are going, yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I know, I know about the oil, uh, you know? And, and, and so they, they all understood this thing. And so, so the oil had to be filled up. But, but why the oil, they probably ask. What does the oil represent in Scripture? Well, Jesus clearly tells us that by the way that he lived out his life in Luke chapter 4, verses 18. Look at this with me. It says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is when Jesus was being baptized. So think, think back for those that understand this or have read this before. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That anointing uh, made an immediate connection to oil. Because you use oil to anoint things. And so, so all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus says this, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So there's an immediate correlation between the Spirit of God and oil. And so what Jesus is saying as he's using this familiar lamp is he's saying, guess what your lamp has to be full of every single day of your life? It's got to be my Spirit. You've got to be filled with my Spirit Every single day of your life. It is the fuel, it is the means by which you live your life, by how you function in this life. There's this immediate correlation that, that for some reason, if you don't have this Holy Spirit, things go really bad for you. A familiar passage that we just got through in Ephesians chapter 5, if you look at it with me, it says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So he qualifies all that and he says, and here's how you don't become like this. Don't be drunk with wine. He uses a common illustration. He's like, because wine uh, makes you uh, inebriated. It, it, you, you're unsteady in everything that you do. He's using this example, but the point is this, is not the wine. It's because that will ruin your life. Instead, bring something that brings stability, that brings wholeness to your life, that brings clarity, that allows you to be careful, that allows you to not live like a fool, that allows you to live wise, that allows you to make most of every opportunity in the evil days, that allows you to not act thoughtlessly, 
by being filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to live the life, live like Jesus every day, every moment of every day, you need to be filled with his Spirit. Filled with his Spirit, just like we have the full armor of God. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about being prepared every single day, clothing ourselves in the full armor of God with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the girdle of truth, the sandals of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. As we go into battle daily, so we too, Jesus is saying here, as this simple clay jar, you need to make sure that you're filled with the fuel so that you can be shining brightly every day for the rest of your life. Not be caught as a fool. Not be think, acting thoughtlessly or carelessly in this life. But living the life that I'm calling you into. The oil. But then there's not just the oil. There's the light. See, some of us think that we can be our own light. Sometimes we think there's something called spiritual um, spontaneous combustion. Just spontaneously, I'm my own fire. Some of you are fireballs, okay? But the reality is, is, is you cannot ignite yourself spiritually. The only way the true light of your life can be found in your life is from the outside in, not from the inside out. You cannot produce this light on your own. Why do I know that? John 8, 12 tells us that. Jesus said, spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Guys, see, it's not enough to just have the Holy Spirit in your life, filling your life every day. You won't even have a light unless Jesus is found in your life. Jesus ignites your life. Jesus brings you from death to life. Jesus brings a, 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 a flameless wick to an alive wick where you become a raging fire, not in and of yourself, but because of who is in you, who is shining out from you, and you didn't produce this on your own. This is Jesus coming, this supernatural, all-powerful God coming from the outside in going, I see you. I see you walking in darkness, but no more. Yeah, I'm going to light your life. And you can see Jesus illustrating, using this lamp. He's like, he's like I, I'm your light. Disciples, do you see? I, I'm your light. You can't light this on your own. You can do your best and you can rub sticks together. It doesn't matter. It ain't going to happen. I'm your light. I'm going to produce the light that you need to shine out from your life. And the greater dose of Holy Spirit that you have in your life, the brighter I shine. And the brighter I shine, guess what? I might have put you on a higher stand. Because the higher you are in a room, the, sh the brighter you shine out to every dark place in the room. And I want the world to see that darkness cannot overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. This is the example that Jesus is beginning to share with his disciples. And so what does light do? What is your light meant to do? Your light comes from, first of all, the source of all light, which is Jesus. He made it very clear. But what is it meant to do? It's meant to what? Illuminate. 
It's meant the light of life, Jesus, is meant to illuminate your life. And illuminate not just your life, but everyone around you. See, light that pours out creeps into all these dark places. And it exposes things. Now, you know why we fear that? Because there's things we don't want to have exposed. There's things we'd rather keep in the dark. But can I just say, nothing will ever get healed if it stays in the dark. So all your secrets, thinking that you can handle it, thinking you can figure it out, thinking that you're strong enough and you can do all this and you don't have to let anyone know about all these things and I'll figure it out and then I will go. No, it doesn't work like that. You need to man up You need to woman up and you need to let God's light shine into the dark places of your life. And yes, it might bring humiliation, but it'll bring humility ultimately. And when you find humility, all of a sudden, guess what? You bow a knee to the one that you need to bow your knee to. And then his light begins to shine out in your life. This is what, this is what Jesus does. This is what he wants for you and for me and, and, and it's meant to illuminate. And it's not just meant to illuminate you, but, it, but others, when other people see you, they go, well, what's, man, what's different about that guy? Why, I mean, gosh, he used to be such a jerk. It's incredible. Now he's kind of only jerkish. It's great. No, I'm just kidding. But the reality is, is, guess what? It's this process of God making us less like us and more like him, less like our light and more like his light. Like, so that we shine brightly for him, not for ourselves. And it's intentional that it's to be seen by others. So stop, stop trying to hide your Christianity. Stop trying to hide your light. Oh my goodness, what if they found out that I'm pro-life? Oh my goodness, what if they found out that I said Jesus out loud? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if they found... Who cares? Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Stop being ashamed of the light in your life and let it shine out bright so Jesus can platform that thing and the world can be introduced into hope. We gotta, we have to. We live in an urgent time, ladies and gentlemen. Family, we live in a time where we have got to be light. We've got to let that light shine from our lives. Stop Hiding under a bushel. Oh no. Okay? We cannot do this. We have got to let his light shine out from us. What is it also meant to do? It's also meant to push back darkness. Isn't that what light does, right? You want to push back, you want to push back darkness? Then let that light shine in you even louder and prouder than ever before. Be filled with his Holy Spirit so it burns like a roaring fire, a raging fire that the world can see. Because guess what? Our world has no idea what hope looks like, has no idea what light looks like. We've got to be light. And it's also meant, you know what that light is also meant? When things are brought into light, it brings understanding. When you're trying to read a book and you can't see the words, guess what? You're squinting, you're doing everything you can. You lack understanding of what it's trying to tell you. All of a sudden, you bring a light to that, all of a sudden, clarity is brought. Understanding is found. And God, God says, pay attention. Luke 8.18 says this. Pay attention to how 
you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. So Jesus all of a sudden makes this correlation. He says, you shine, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you shine based on how well you listen. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. We have got to stop letting this book collect dust and start letting it be the first thing of every day of every morning of our life. We have got to let scripture pour into you, pour over you, pour over your children and your children's children. God is is saying, how well are you listening to me? Are you listening to every other thing? Are you more quick to dial up a Netflix show rather than than my truth? Turn off the streaming and start being streamed with the love of God and the truth of God into your life. We've got to see this happen. Because some of you right now don't even, you're going, I don't understand anything about the Christian life. You know why? Because you're not letting this devour you. See, this is not just words. See, the words of God, see, people like to to talk, well, it's just a book. It is not just a book. You know why? Because the words of God are as eternal as God, and when eternity captures your attention and affection and grabs hold of your heart, it can't help but change those things that aren't eternal. It morphs you and transforms you into the new image, the new creature the new creation he always intended you to be. God is saying, hey, you need to find understanding and it's found by how well you're listening to my word, listening to my voice. The last thing about light is is it should never, should never be hidden. I've already mentioned that before. Should never be hidden. It shouldn't be put under a bed. It shouldn't be put under a bowl. It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be put under other priorities that you think are more important. It shouldn't be hidden by, uh, I, got, I just got too busy. Oh my goodness, I, no, I, I, can't, I can't give to the Lord because I gotta, I gotta pay rent. I gotta do me before I can do this God thing here, Joel. I gotta, I gotta get mine, I gotta handle my business before I do God's. You know what that is? That, that's the means by which we're covering up the light of Jesus in our life. I wanna know that my life is lived by faith every single day. I, don't, I want my life to be poured out because my life doesn't belong to me anymore. I'm not the light of my life. Jesus is the light of my life. And so guess what? He's lighting my life so that the world can see what a follower of Jesus looks like. You're an example to the world. They need to see what they don't see, and they're going to see it by Jesus shining brightly out of each and every one of you. It should never be hidden. It should never be extinguished. There's a parable that we might get to later on. It's a parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Some of you may know this story. And it talks about how these bridesmaids were preparing to have the bridegroom come and collect them so that they would be married and spend their lives together. 
Well, the bridegroom represented, represented Jesus and, and the bridesmaids represent us. And I'm not going to go into the parable, but there's this part where these 10, these 10 bridesmaids, five were ready. And you know how they were ready? Their oil was filled. Their lamp was lit. But then there was other, there was five other bridesmaids. And you know what? Their oil wasn't filled. Their lamp wasn't lit. So when the bridegroom came to collect, only five went because the other five let their lamps go out. Don't let your lamp go out. Be filled with the fullness of God. Be filled with his word. Let his Holy Spirit wash over you every single day. And it's not about perfection. I say it all the time. It's about direction. Let my life continue to head in this direction where Jesus is so I can be where he is. I can be, a, I can be his clay jar. And that's our last point here. I want to be his clay container. Because as he's holding up this lamp, he's going, look, there's oil in here and there's this light. Guess who you are? You're just a clay pot. You're just a clay jar. And you know what your purpose is? Your purpose is to just contain, contain all that I'm pouring into you. And to demonstrate, and, and, and you know what? And I want to be able to put your life on a lampstand, not so that you can be seen. Look, the light isn't meant to illuminate the clay pot. It's not meant to illuminate the clay jar. You know what it's meant to, to illuminate? everything else. It's meant to illuminate. It's supposed to demonstrate this flickering light that, that fills every corner that the darkness cannot overcome. I remember I went to Crystal Caverns, and I think I've shared this before in the past. I went to Crystal Caverns, which was this huge uh, caverns, kind of like Carlsbad Caverns, not quite as big as that. But, but I remember we were down there, and they shut off all the lights. We all went to the center of these caverns, and they shut off all the lights. And then all of a sudden, the park ranger lit one match. I mean, it was absolute darkness. I couldn't see anything. He lit one match. And you know what that one match did? It lit the whole room. It was incredible. One match lit up the whole room. And you're going, and everyone, guess where everyone's eyes was, were at? They were focused on that light. Oh, don't, don't put that light out. <laughs> don't put that light out. Because I can see things now. I can see clearly. Jesus goes, I'm, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And I want to shine brightly through you. And I'm going to use you to show the world exactly what darkness is and what light can be in your life and in mine. Second Corinthians 4, 3-7 through says this. It says, if the good news, and I love how Paul really reinforces this parable. He says, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing, meaning, meaning people that are in the dark. There's people that are in darkness. People that are perishing, are, they're the ones in darkness. Satan, man, he's a liar, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Doesn't he do a great job? He, he manipulates, he covers, he offers you a false light in, as opposed to the real light. They, those that are in darkness, are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They, 
people in darkness. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We don't start going, hey, look, I'm a great clay pot. We preach, we shine the light that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. That's all we are, just fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Your light doesn't come from you. There's false lights all around. Satan presents himself as a false light. So be warned, don't fall into that trap. He'll make it look really good. But you need to ask, what are you actually showing? When the light is shining out of your life, what are you showing? Is it, is it all about you? Or is it showing the great light, the light that can actually do something, uh, something in the hearts and lives of every single person that this, in this world? See, Jesus is the light of life. And when we, we become touched by the fullness of Jesus, we, we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus, all of a sudden our light, our lamp is lit. And every day we fill our, our clay jar with our life with the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit pours in, we shine brighter. We become less like ourselves and more like him. And then Jesus elevates us to a place so that, that people cannot see us, but can see Jesus, the hope of the world, the savior of the world. And so every day when I say you're a sin people, when you walk out there, I pray that you're not shining a light on yourself, but shining a light on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You need to be the light that this world needs. The light that shines, shines out brighter and bigger every single day of your life. And it, and it, it starts with just opening up this word, letting it pour into you, getting on our knees and saying, God, do more, do more, save more be more. God, would you work? See, here's, remember how I shared those three parts? There's the picture, there's the mirror, and then there's, there's the window. The picture is this lamp, okay? And if we just see a lamp, some of you might just go, oh, that's, that's a cool lamp. But then if we're really paying attention, all of a sudden, as we look at it, it turns into a mirror. I'm wondering, what's lighting your life? Is it Jesus? See, here's the mere part. Is, is it Jesus that's the light of your life? Is that what, is that what people see when they look at you? And, and is, that, is that light flickering because you're not filling your, your life with the Holy Spirit? You're not surrendering your life. You're not handing your life over to Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill me. I want to be more like him, less like myself. Fill me every single day. How does this mirror look to you? It's a hard picture sometimes, but I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. I'm here to offer truth. I want you to understand that sometimes in the Christian life, actually a lot of the time, I'll say it all the time, the Christian life is not for you to get to a comfortable place in life. It's meant so that your life is poured out and shines for Jesus every day.